We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Imagine a world where you could clearly identify what caused cancer in your life. Like, not, not just generally, um, and it's interesting that I actually had this kind of in my sermon, and then uh, just last night or the night before, there's this thing on TV, I don't know if you saw it, on the news, where they can do this blood test now and pick up little traces of cancer, and they think it's going to be a bit of a breakthrough. But just, just imagine that. Okay, we're not quite there yet. We're not, we haven't quite got this technology. But let's just say that um, you could do some sort of test, let's say a simple blood test, goes away to the lab, comes back, and they go, right, Okay, Joanna King, if you stay away from peanuts from the rest of your life, you're going to be cancer-free, you know? Linda Nonslow, if you stay away from... Now, what am I going to choose? Chocolate? Yeah, there you go. Oh, no, yeah, that's not it. No, no, it would have to be like steak. <laughs> that would, that, you know, you know. So, yeah, hey, so, you know, we know some things generally, stay away from smoking and things like that. But let's say, let's just say hypothetically, you could work that out. Now, if you knew... Have a think about this. If you knew that if you just needed to stay, you can eat a whole, every other food, but if you could just stay away from that particular thing, would it change how you lived your life? Yeah, of course it would, right? Like It, it would bring clarity. You go, okay, if that's what it takes, then that's, that's what I need to do. I'm going to make some choices to just stay away from that because that's going to keep me healthy. Well, okay, there might be other things, but... Overall, that, that's what I could do to remove this thing from my life. Now, I use that illustration because just as cancer is to our physical body, sin is the enemy to our spiritual health. Our, our spiritual growth is dependent on identifying things like a cancer, spiritual cancer, if you like, in our lives and removing it. Not just trying to manage it, but actually remove it from our lives. Because if we can do that, we step into a place where we live out the life that God has for us. We live in the fullness that he wants for us. So achieving that, if you knew that, if you knew how to remove sin from your life so that you could live in connection with God and live the, good, the life that he has for you, that would be cool, right? That, that would be a good thing rather than sin destroying your life. And what we're discovering in the series that we're going through is that Jesus achieved that victory for us. That he, he conquered the devil for this, for this purpose. He reigns over the chaotic world that seems to um, be happening, that we seem to have to live in. He reigns over sin. And next week we will see how he reigns over death. So let's dive into the scriptures today. Romans chapter 6. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation and starting from verse 12. Okay, here's what Paul has to say to the Romans. Romans 6 verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. And can we have that on the screen, if that's possible? Thank you, Ollie, that would be great. Okay, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. You are dead in sin, but now you have new life. 
So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching which we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from doing the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit that you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what is God revealing to us through this passage, this letter that Paul wrote to the the Romans? Well, the first thing that um, is very clear here is sin is our biggest problem. You know, we might think there's a whole lot of other issues like climate change and a whole lot of other drama going on in the world. And that's, uh, if you want to listen to a great sermon on that, uh, go to the podcast of last week. But this week, we're focusing on sin because sin is morally, spiritually, our biggest problem. As Paul says here, the wages of sin is death. Sin is never good for you. Just be, let's be really clear on that. You know that temptation where it's like, oh, it's not so bad. No, it is. Sin is never good for you. It's a, think of it again like a cancer. Cancer is never good for you. There's no good cancer, okay? It's always bad. It's always working destructively in our lives. Sin is always leading to destructive consequences in this present life and separation from God in the next. That's what Paul is saying He's saying if we, don't, if we don't gain control over sin in the present, the sin will end up controlling us. So let's never underestimate the power of sin and the devastating consequences that it has. So that's kind of the first big point. Treat this seriously. This is a big deal. Like don't just go, ah, it doesn't matter. It matters. And then in verse 12, he says this, Do not let sin control the way you live, Do not give in to its sinful desires. In other words, make it your mission to fight back on this. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of its evil desires to serve sin. Now, I'm guessing that given that you're in church, you're probably in a lot of agreement with that. I'm probably preaching to the choir here, aren't I? You know, that you go, yeah, 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 I get that, Warren. Like, yeah, we we don't want to live a life of sin. Yeah, now that's cool. And if Jesus has gained the victory over the devil and over sin, and then living a holy life, it should be easy, right? Okay, theoretically. And, and of course, some of you are looking at me like, hey, yeah, what? Because it's not that easy, right? It's not that easy to stop sinning and live in the victory that Christ has for us. So why is it so difficult? Well, Paul goes on to explain exactly the reason it's difficult. So let's dive into that. Verse 16. He says this, don't you realize that you become the slave of the one that you obey or the one that you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin. In other words, you have a choice to sin, but if you choose sin, you become a slave to sin. 
or you choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living, or you, the other way he puts it a couple of verses later, you become a slave to God. But that's a good thing, because you, you end up doing good things, not bad things. So what Paul is explaining here is a really important point, and it answers the question of why it's hard to stop sinning. Are you ready? Here we go. Paul is explaining that there is a very real spiritual force that is empowering the sin that we're choosing to do. So what that means is that when we choose to sin, we're not only choosing to do something wrong, we are choosing to give a measure of control over to Satan. Now, I know that when I say something like that, you're thinking, hang on a minute, no, 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 that's, that, that's, that's, that, that's a little bit extreme. But just listen to this in Ephesians chapter 4. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives the devil a foothold. See, if we choose to stay angry, we give control to Satan. It's, 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 it's just what we do. See, we, we need to understand the spiritual realm that we're in. And, and to give it a little bit more context to that, I covered that a little bit a couple of weeks ago when we looked at what is, how does Jesus conquer Satan. A, a good illustration of this is, let's, have you ever helped someone overcome an addiction? It's really challenging, right? You, you watch them go through this, um, this thing that seems to have, take hold of their lives, and you so want them to be free of it. So, you know, maybe they're addicted to alcohol or drugs or something like that, and you, and you know your heart bleeds for them because you go, I know what it looks like for you to be free of this. I know what your life could be like. But you see them, just, they just seem to be so trapped. It's a mindset they just seem to be so locked into. And, and so you, maybe you get them help by, um, you know, uh, external agency or something like that. But... In, inside you know it's their heart that has to change, right? You know that it's their inner desires that have to change. There's something in them that needs to break free of this thing. And when they say, oh, you know, say they're an alcoholic or something like that, they'll say, oh, well, maybe I'll just have one. You know, maybe I'll just have this one drink. You go, oh, just, just don't do it. Why? Because you know that that one drink is going to lead to another and another and another, and it's gonna, they're going to go down the cycle again. Now think about this. Think about what God feels when he sees us sinning. It breaks his heart. It, it's like he's, he's the one watching us become addicted to this thing that isn't good for us. It is so destructive to our lives. And he's going, oh, just don't even start. Just don't even go there because it has far more control of you than you realize. See, it's, 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 and you're thinking, well, how does that all work? How, how is that possible? And Paul's point here is that we become slaves to the one we obey, right? So there is, there is this person behind the choice that we make. We make a choice to sin. And when we do that, we're choosing to follow Satan or we're choosing to follow God. And he's going, you've got to make a decision here. There's no... There's no neutral ground when it comes to morality. 
See, there's, the, the world thinks like this. The world goes, oh, you know, there's, 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 there's neutrality in moral choices. No, it's either good or bad. We're either say, siding with Satan or we're siding with God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually last Sunday night, we had um, a good discussion upstairs around interpreting Scripture. And we uh, opened it up to some script, uh, to questions, and people were uh, just going, okay, well, what about this and what about that? And one of those questions I'll answer now. The question was, what is sin? That, that's a really good question to figure out. Well, what is sin? Is it disobeying God's law? Well, yes, it is. Um, is sin doing bad stuff? Well, yes, it is. But in the context of what Paul is talking about here, Sin is any moral thought or choice that isn't under God's control. Have a think about that. Just ponder on that thought for a moment. Every time you make a moral choice, is it something that God would want you to do? Is it under God's control? Is, is, and you making that choice in that moment, are you... Are you in God's zone, so to speak? Are you in his territory? Are you, can you, could you worship God and make that choice at the same time? There's a, there's, a, there's a good way to point it. If you can, if you go, yeah, that lines up with everything I know God to be, this is who he is, then you're in safe ground. You know, you're not sinning. But if in making that choice you go, oh man, I'd hate God to know about that. No, <laughs> no, that's a bit scary. Well, maybe you're in very dangerous territory. See, sin is any thought or choice which is not under God's control. See, Paul is explaining here that it, it, the spiritual world works by permission. What we permit controls our lives. So why is it hard to stop sinning? Because we've given permission in various areas of our lives to our enemy. Just stop doing that. Now, you might say, well, that's, that's not easy. That, that's, that's a bit of a dilemma that we're stuck in. But thanks be to God, Paul says, further on in Romans, that we've been set free from this sin. There is good news. Let's have a look at um, the good news. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Colossians 2, verse 13 in the New Living says this, "'You were dead because of your sins.'" and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave us all our sin. Having cancelled the record of the charges against it, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over the cross. Now, here's a really important point that Paul is making here. Is that... When Jesus died on the cross and he rose again from the dead, he not only took away the guilt of your sin, he broke the power of sin over your life. And that's what we're talking about here when we talk about the victor. That, that Christ not only defeated the devil, he not only defeated the, the consequences that the, the devil brings in the world, the chaos that he brings, he conquered the sin that is in the devil's territory. Does that make sense? Now, you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, hang on, still trying to get my head around this. But think about this. When you sin, one of the first things that, that happens is that you feel guilty. And there is a, a God 
thing in each of us, the image of God in each of us, wants to be put right with God. So we want to be, we want that record wiped away. And so what we do, well, I hope you do this, is that we pray and we say, God, I'm really sorry for doing this. I, I, I really didn't want to do it. I don't want to do it again. Will you forgive me? And guess what God does? 1 John 1 verse 9 says, God, as we confess our sin, he is right and just, will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we go, oh, feels good, doesn't it? We're forgiven, we're cleansed, we walk away. That sin, that, that record of sin that stands against us, that's what Paul is saying here. That record nailed to the cross isn't attached to your life anymore. Are you really happy about that? I'm really happy about that. I don't know about you, but I look back on my life and I go, oh man, did I really do that? <laughs> like, like, you know, yeah, we're ashamed, as, as we've just been singing about, Christ takes away that shame. So there's that guilt is dealt with. But guilt isn't my only problem. I discovered this, especially when I was a new Christian. I learned this truth that we could be free from the guilt of sin. And I went, oh, that's so fantastic. So I would, yes, I'd sin, I'd feel really bad about it, so I'd go to God, I'd go, God, I'm so sorry, forgive me, I'd be cleansed of that sin. The very next day, guess what? I sinned again. Now, I was going, I don't want to do this, but I still keep doing what I don't want to do, which is exactly what Paul's talking about in Rome. Anyone out there got any friends out there that do that? Okay. So there's a few, just, yeah, I know, you don't have to play up your hand at this point. Um, just a few head nods. You see, we, we do that. Why? Because we haven't broken the power of sin in our lives. Remember, we've given permission away. We've let the devil get in. And just confessing our sin isn't enough to break the power of sin. That's quite an interesting statement. Just ponder on that for a moment. See, because the problem is, isn't just the guilt of my sin. The problem is my heart. My heart still wants to do the wrong thing. The problem is the desires within me. You, any, any other friends out there? It is the problem actually the want to, isn't it? It's, I, actually, I actually see sin as attractive and I actually go, I want to do this. You know, I don't want to want to do it, but I do. <laughs> like, like I just have to own up and acknowledge that there is that want in me. But what I see here in the scripture is that Jesus not only paid the price, he didn't go to the cross and just take my guilt of my sin away, he broke the power of sin in my life. Now, how then do I apply that to my life? How do I take what Jesus achieved on the cross in breaking the power of sin, how do I apply that to the, the desires that I'm feeling, the, the motivations, the deep-seated motivations in my heart? See, I have to do this because as I discovered in, in my spiritual growth, otherwise you just keep going round and round the mountain again. You go, you sin, you feel bad, you ask for forgiveness, God cleanses you, so you sin, you know, and you're going round and round. If, if you're still going around the mountain you need to really listen carefully for this next bit because this is one of the most freeing things that I discovered in my life is that not only did I have to repent of the sin, I had to repent of the desire to the sin. I had to address that deep-seated motivation and desire in my heart. Does that make sense? I had to address 
that I had to come clean before God that I actually really want to do this, that I've actually permitted this, I've actually given permission for this desire, this want to be present in my life. Much like, coming back to the addiction example, much like someone who's addicted to someone, something has given away control of that part of their life to something else, a substance, or a, actually it's the, it's the thought they have that, of what that substance will do to them. It's actually not the substance itself, itself, but it's the belief that it will do something for them. And they've given control away to that thought. And we do the same with sin. And so we need to look a little bit deeper in our lives and go, who's pulling the strings here? What's controlling me? What do I really want? Do I really want to sin? And have I actually surrendered that want? Have I actually surrendered that desire? So let's just recap, just go on the journey that we've been so far. So we see that sin is really bad, okay? Sin is anything that isn't under the control of God. And when we choose to sin, we're actually opening, it's like we are opening the door and letting the enemy in. And if you want to go a little bit deeper on that, go through the devotional notes this week. I I kind of explore that whole point a little bit more. And as we open that door to the enemy coming in, what we're doing is we're giving permission to enter. It's, it's, it's like your house, you know. Um, someone comes to your door and you go, well, I, they shouldn't really be in my house, but I, okay, just come in for a minute. Well, once they're in, they're in. Does that make sense? Once you give, um, give in to that temptation, once you give in to that sin, you're allowing Satan to come into your life. Now, I know there's a whole lot of theological questions you just pondering on this point and go, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm, under, the, I'm under Christ and his control. How I, I can't be possessed by an enemy or anything like that. Okay, let's just frame it like this, okay, for your understanding. Just think about it. In any area, any unsurrendered area of your life, you are giving control to Satan. Where Satan is at that point, we won't um, get into the whole details of that. All that you need to understand, as far as Paul is concerned here, choose who you're going to be a slave to. Choose who you're going to give control to, because it really matters. This, we, what you permit in your life will determine whether Satan has control, whether God has control. So, when you look at your life, don't just look at what you need to find freedom from guilt in, but look at what is controlling you? What desires are controlling you? What, what do you really, really want? And allow those motivations to come to the surface and surrender those motivations to Christ. Now, that's, that's not that easy. But the, the key thing in helping people through this journey, because I've helped many people through this journey over the, year become, over the years become really free of this stuff, it's actually, when you identify something in your life and go, okay, what's an example? Say, you, um, say you're, you're, you just find yourself that you're really greedy all the time. You just want more and more and more. And so, so you go down that track and you, you express that greed and you, you sin and then you, you repent of it. But it's actually coming before God and saying, God, I know I am greedy. 
This is, I know I've given away control of this area of my life. And then it's going through a process of renouncing that and saying, I don't give permission for this greed to have any control in my life anymore. I surrender it to Christ and I choose to never go back there again. So see what you're doing. You're not just asking for forgiveness of sin. You're actually renouncing and withdrawing permission that's causing that sin in your life. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's a really, it's a bit of a mindset shift, but it, it, it makes a huge difference. Actually addressing the root cause to what's causing the sin in your life. If you're prepared to do that, you'll come into a new level of freedom in your relationship with God. It's like what I said right back at the start. It's like identifying that cancer, going to the surgeon and going, okay, here's the knife, cut it out. Let's, let's do this. Let's actually get it all out. Let's, let's remove it from my life. I, I give control to Christ, and I am removing that control from Satan. And actually, if you here's another interesting thing just in regard to this. Um, if you actually declare it out loud in your prayer time before God, so maybe, maybe you want to find a pretty private place to do that. Um, so if you actually declare that out loud before God, there is something powerfully in your, your, your mind and your ears hearing that declaration of surrender to God and withdrawal of any um, uh, attachment that your enemy has in that area of your life, where you go, I'm completely surrendering this to Christ. When we do that, what we're doing, see, what we're doing is we're shifting the whole permission. We're shifting that whole issue of control in our spiritual lives from one camp to the other. It makes a really big difference. When we come before God and say, God, I surrender all my finances to you. I don't give the enemy any ground to... to um, have influence over my thinking around my finances or in my relationships or in my thought life or, or whatever it is. When we, when we take areas of our lives and completely surrender them to Christ, our motivations, our desires, our, our deep way of thinking about these things, when we realize that there is a permission shift that we have to do, it's a powerful change in our spiritual status before God. I'm going to read this passage again. And now that you've, you know all of that stuff, let's go back to Romans chapter 6. Let's listen to it again. Do not let sin control the way you live. Notice the language here. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to, of evil to serve sin. Why would you do this? You're a, you're a child of God. Why give any ground to the enemy? Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Don't you realize that you became the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Whatever desire, whatever motivation, whatever is in your heart to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery to sin, and you've become slaves to righteous living. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did that reap? 
Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and results in eternal life. Here's the thing. When we look at all the moral choices and when we look deep at the motivations of our hearts, especially those things that we're trying to hide away from other people, when we're prepared to bring them out in the open and bring them before God and surrender our deepest desires to him, and he, he takes our heart and he literally changes it. The permission shifts. The control shifts in our hearts and in our desires and in our thinking. We, bec- we walk into this new freedom of life. And you'll look back, much like when an addict is free of their addiction, they look back and go, I can't believe I used to think like that. And we, what we do then is we give permission for Christ to have so much control of our lives that that he can then work in that area of our finances or in that area of our relationships or that area of our um, forgiving other people or whatever it is or the area of anger that we struggled with. Whatever issue that we've struggled with in life, suddenly there's this new empowerment. Why? Because previously what happened is God wanted to have that control of that area, but we went, oh, no, no, I've got this. I've got this sorted. No, leave it with me. And we've been siding with Satan without realizing it. But once we renounce that, withdraw permission and go, God, I surrender to you. He goes, fantastic, now we can make some progress here. And all of a sudden you'll find that you'll make massive progress in that area because you are truly free. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.